This week's episode of the Run, Eat, Drink podcast is brought to you by listeners like you. Head on over to patreon.com slash run, eat, drink podcast and subscribe today. Fans, founders, and insiders like you help us keep the Run, Eat, Drink podcast going. And we thank you for your support. Hello, this is Marco Cesero and welcome to Run, Eat, Drink podcast. Welcome to the Run, Eat, Drink podcast. We feature destination races from across the country. And after the race, we take you on a tour of the best local food and beverage to celebrate. So whether you are an elite runner or a back of the packer like us, you'll know the best places to accomplish, explore, and indulge on your next runcation. Hey, welcome to episode 175 of the Run, Eat, Drink podcast. I'm your host, Amy. And I'm your co-host, Dana. Coming to us remotely from the one, the only, the home of the Daytona 500. Daytona Beach, Florida. Yeah. I am, I am our intrepid field reporter this week. Yes. Have you found us some great food and beverage options Actually, I have. Really? Uh, there, are, there are a couple of spots here that I'm very eager to try once we have finished the 75 hard challenge. Really? So we now have some additional reasons to come up this way. Not to mention the fact that we're pretty close to the Jacksonville area once you once you're this far north and on the east coast of Florida. So, you know, as we are either going to or coming from the Donna when we head to Ooh, the there you go. Half marathon weekend, I think that we could probably have an excuse to take a detour and come through Daytona Beach on our way home or on our way up. Mm, that sounds good to me. I yeah, but support that. <laughs> I am I'm once again traveling for work, and I'm literally a stone's throw from the Daytona International Speedway. Anybody that followed along on the Couch to 5K program uh, a few weeks ago, that, that we finished a few weeks ago, uh, came along with me while I was literally running in the parking lot of the Daytona International Speedway. You so, never got into the Speedway. Are you going to try? Um, I actually, uh, through uh, the class here that I, I'm attending, they are going to be arranging a tour. So no. I'm going to get the opportunity. I, I'm hopeful that I may be able to get one of my classmates to take a photo or some video of me Yay. jogging on the on the track. We'll see. Oh, that would be awesome. Depends on what they'll let us do. Speaking of that 5K, that... Uh, program that couch to 5k program we mm -hmm. are going to recap a run that was on the tail end of that that was not the culminating run but uh the one a couple of weeks post program tonight the freedom yes. 5k we're gonna yes. recap it's we have a couple of local races that we like to do uh, down in our area of Southwest Florida, and the Freedom 5K is one of those, and we're going to get to talk about this. And it's a great opportunity for those that might want to do a summer vacation in Southwest Florida. 
to plan to come down and maybe celebrate our nation's independence day Mm -hmm. and start that celebration off with a a 5k bridge run. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. And, uh, then I believe that we're going to go back north uh, to the Orlando area for our food, are we not? We are. We we had, I, what do you call it, an embarrassment of riches? Yes. And I think Danny agrees, if you hear her in the background, that we had an embarrassment of riches as far as plant-based eating options at Walt Disney World, the Walt Disney World mm-hmm. Resort. And that's not a sentence I ever thought I would hear you or anybody else utter. Right. So the fact that we're able to give our listeners who are into plant-based eating some options when they go vacationing Mm -hmm. at Disney World, I think is a fantastic service we're going to be providing this week. It's awesome. And this place gave us so many options. We had to have a few things from the menu, including... Beverages. Yes. Um, again, we don't do this too often, but we've we've done it a couple of times here lately where we do the food and beverage in the same place. Mm-hmm. And Skipper Canteen offered us an opportunity to do that. And this is going to be a non-alcoholic offering. Yes. And I really do have to thank Greg in Orlando. That's his uh, Instagram handle. Greg in Orlando actually said... This is a place you got to check out if you're eating plant-based, if you can get in. Very popular. Right. But we were able to Which, get in. And we'll talk about the challenges of that as well. Yeah. So without further ado, shall we talk running? Yeah, let's talk running. But before we get into the race, um, let's uh, give everybody your training update. How is uh, how is post-weekly Therabeast visits? Oh, um, how is how's that treating you? Well, Let everybody know what's up. I should be doing honestly more strength training than I am. I should be, we, you know, we had like a little mishap with the Bosu ball where we had to get it exchanged. It's back now though. It's back now, so I should get back on the Bosu ball and do some balance exercises and some strengthening of my quads, hamstrings, overall strength in in the hips. I I need to get back to those exercises. I've been woefully under training those muscles. And I'm still as a part of the 75 hard challenge. We have two workouts a day and I have been incorporating the drills that Jeff Galloway, America's coach and our coach has sent me for homework. He sent me some cadence drills. He sent me some acceleration gliders. He said, start with two each a piece in your either your Tuesday or your Thursday short run. So I've actually been incorporating those when I'm walking the parking garage at work when I'm under shade of the and parking garage. You're sharing, and you're sharing those those sessions occasionally on your live streams. I've seen you do that a couple of times. Usually it's when I'm on my way back to work and I'm out in the hot sun and it's hard for me to see some of the comments on the phone. But yes, I have, um, I've been doing those and then I have been uh, jumping on a live chat with people just to check in. And it's, it's nice to have the cover 
of the parking garage to combat the afternoon showers. So I don't have to be outside, get soaked, and then go back to work. But I do have a poncho in my bag, so I can deal with that if I need to. But I do, I'm lucky enough to have the parking garage. So I can get there and I can do a little bit of very light hill work, I would say. Very, very light hill work. And then using using the uh, elevation of the mm -hmm. parking garage as your hill. Yeah, it's five stories. So I, I walk up and down the parking garage and then the, the part that's undercover that's a really long stretch I'll use for cadence drills and acceleration gliders to kind of get my form back to where it needs to be. So acceleration gliders, you have 30 seconds and you count either the left or the right foot and uh, you you start with 10 walking steps and then you get 10 shuffling steps and then you get 10 more where you start to elevate your pace. You get up to kind of race pace and then you glide. You let that momentum carry you through the rest of the 30 seconds. And that's an acceleration glider and it's supposed to help you with going in and out of your run, walk, run. And then the cadence drills are 30 seconds as well and it's you're either counting your your left or your right foot and it's how many steps you can get in that 30 seconds and you're hoping between well he's telling me between 40 and 50 so the the purpose of that acceleration glider is to work on the smoothness of your transition between mm-hmm. your your intervals yes and the cadence drill is to get you actually quicker during your run your run interval yes yeah and i think it's also oh i'm sorry i was gonna say i've talked about that a little bit when i was doing the couch to 5k with everybody but you're you're living it you're doing that's that's something you're incorporating into your training right now which is good yes yeah so it's good i think it also what i was going to say was it it helps my walking turnover as well oh yeah when i'm in the walking intervals because that's where i am so tempted to slow down and you know i mean i'm walking especially in later stages of the race if i've gone out too fast or if it's a hot and humid kind of race it's you know you the walking interval is like oh gosh it's a break but you can't let your walk get so slow that it that it it dramatically impacts your pace so. and it's easy to do if you're if you're really tired if you um Perhaps maybe you didn't train enough for the distance you're going to be running Mm. when you do or you or you go out too hard and then you build up too much fatigue and you end up walking too slow to the point where you create a a pace deficit. Right. You can't catch up no matter what you do in your in your run interval. And these are things to think about. Oh, it is. And that's the reason Jeff talks about the fact that from the beginning of the race, you do your walk intervals Mm -hmm. and that's something a lot of people have a really hard time with. I think it's part of his successful strategy that he teaches all of us 
that he coaches or who read his book, uh, Galloway's book on training, that it it's better to walk up front and finish strong, run more at the end than at the beginning and conserve those resources. So yep. that's those drills are helping me do that by by improving my form and my cadence. So that's what I'm focused on right now. And then the the long runs are just starting to ramp up into the 5K range for me because Jeff and I have been back and forth talking about our uh, my goal of 5Ks and 10Ks and then ultimately his half marathon in December and then Donna's half marathon in uh, February of 2022, which many people registered for last week. And anybody who's listening to the podcast right now, Marathon Weekend, Walt Disney World Marathon Registration um, Day is the day of the release of this show. So may the force be with you. I hope you got into all the races you want so that you can get into the mindset where you can do those drills, follow those training plans from Jeff Galloway, and get to that finish line uh, healthy, strong, and, and celebratory rather than slowing down in your cadence. Like we've talked Absolutely. about. So, <laughs> so yeah, so that is a little bit of my training update and you have a race to discuss and future training to discuss. Yeah. I, I it's very rare that I have a race to discuss that doesn't involve you. Cause I was um, at work. You were at work. So I was once again, the running drink podcasts intrepid field reporter. <laughs> and this race we're going to talk a little bit about is one that we've run. I, I want to say that we've been doing it for the last three years. That's true. If I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. It was postponed and to October last year. I was going to say, it seems a little soon to be doing it again, but that's only because during 2020, exactly the, the July 4th race didn't happen until almost the end of the year. So yeah. uh, it, it came back around really quick. And this is the annual Freedom 5K that we have in Cape Coral that kicks off our day of celebration of Independence Day in our hometown. Mm-hmm. And this race is normally you know pretty well attended i I would probably say in in previous years when we've run it we get you know 400 500 attendees give or take it's usually very well attended by some of the local running groups like our friends at the cape coral running group or the um the fort meyer speedsters oh yes uh, some of the other you know uh groups that run out of the the uh uh, Fort Myers Track Club mm-hmm. and uh, the Run Shop in Cape Coral. Yeah. Well, this race is really pretty straightforward. It begins and ends in at the base of the Cape Coral Bridge, basically. And the Cape Coral Bridge is a is about a um, well, it's it's about a mile long, approximately a mile long bridge that uh, spans the Caloosahatchee River and it connects Cape Coral to Fort Myers. And this is a morning out and back run over the bridge. It's and beautiful. It gives you a, a fantastic view of the Caloosahatchee River, 
the Cape Coral skyline, which we have a very suburban skyline, <laughs> so it's mostly trees and houses with a very few uh, slightly taller buildings. Mm. But you get a nice view of the downtown Fort Myers skyline off across the river and in oh. the distance. And the race starts at you know seven thirty in the morning. It's it's um, started with a, a helicopter flyover and uh, the national anthem, and then you're off to the run and Mm. it's it really has very little flat at the beginning before you start on the uphill (laughs) just a little (laughs) bit yeah it's it's a pretty short uh flat portion at the beginning then you go uh right to the uphill i actually have my my garmin uh with me right now and i'm i'm looking i'm gonna look for the elevation because you you gain 129 feet in elevation in the first uh, about the first three quarters of a mile. <laughs> so, I mean, it's a it's a pretty good climb. Mm-hmm. I set out doing this one. I wanted to do a. You know, well, let me back up. During the Couch to 5K program that I live streamed with everybody, I was doing a very conservative five-second run, 25-second walk uh, interval because the idea was to get that very beginner runner off the couch and moving and kind of get them ready for a pace that if they ever wanted to go to do a Disney race, you know, Disney tends to say the course time limit is uh, 16 minutes a mile. Now they don't normally time the five K's, but the five K's tend to lead to runners wanting to do the 10 K's and the half marathons and maybe the marathons and you have to maintain a 16 minute per mile pace. So we wanted to train for that minimum 16 minute a mile pace. And if you followed along with the program and then you follow along with the race that we did for that, we actually did a a race up in Tampa uh, for father's day. Mm Mm-hmm. And we not only met that goal, we exceeded that goal, uh, even doing a five-second run or 25-second walk. Well, I wanted to do a little bit of a different interval, something a little bit more aggressive, but still something that was very approachable. And what I elected to do for this race was to do a um, 15-second run and a 45-second walk. 15.45. 1545 uh-huh. was my so, interval. That is a three to one. It's a three to one ratio. Mm-hmm. So I, I was a little more aggressive. Uh, so I, I did a little more running to the amount of walking that I was doing. I still wasn't running a crazy amount and I modified it a little bit. I mm-hmm. actually elected what I decided to do was I would do the intervals like that 1545 on the flat and then on the uphill i would turn that into just a walk and then on the downhill i would do the intervals or run a little bit more and give myself a little more freedom to to uh run as much of the downhill as i was comfortable doing Mm. but again the whole idea is you you want to save that gas in the tank for the end of the run Mm -hmm. you don't want to smoke yourself going out and find yourself you know dying at the end puffing um, and puffing and yeah exactly and doing that 
I, you know, doing the out and back over the, over the bridge, I ended up with a total time of 41 minutes and 10 seconds, which averages out to a 13 minute, four second per mile pace with a hill work. I mean, like a massive hill with massive hills. And again, walking the uphill, Mm. I walked the uphill and I, and I did not run the downhill to the point where I was huffing and puffing. I basically did the, you know, just kind of a modified interval going down. Um, I might, I might've run, you know, 20 seconds on the downhill instead of 15. And then I, I do the walk interval. It was, it was, it wasn't crazy. I wasn't trying to do the entire downhill, nothing like that. Because again, I wanted to be able to maintain a, a rate of breathing that if I needed to have a conversation with somebody, I could. Mm, yes. And I, I wanted to, if I, if I wanted to at the end, really be able to turn it on once it flattened back out. Mm. So I was able to do that, um, get a 13 minute, four second minute per mile pace, um, doing a 1545 with a lot of walking. Uh, on both uphill stretches. So it was a great way to illustrate the versatility of the Galloway run, walk, run method. This was a, a faster pace than we got in Tampa doing the 525. And I, I didn't feel smoked at the end. I was, I, I was able to, you know, take photos with friends and talk to people. And, you know, th- this race was attended by, I want to say they said it was about 800 runners. Wow. Yeah, it was a much bigger event than they were initially anticipating. There was actually day of registration at this event. The event grew and, and it exploded because people were hungry for, you know, races that they could go and attend in person. True. And the of course, you know, your fast runners, your your high school and college age kids that were out there, um, men and women were were killing it. I mean, they were fast, 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 um, <laughs> you know, and, you know, they're they're on their return lap as I'm you know basically cresting the the hill on my on my first, you know, my, my trip out. So your first pass of the I bridge. Mean, Yes. Yeah. They were just insanely fast. So how was was the weather? Well, uh, the weather, you know, was typical July in Florida. It is of course, you know, hot and muggy as, as you would expect the, um, I'm not ringing the bell because I don't want to alarm or alert buck. (laughs) That's probably, he does not like it and he will end up in my lap if I do. So ding, ding, ding weather bell. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, the um, the temperature uh, actually at the start of the race was 81 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, it climbed to 88 degrees within 41 minutes. So oh. it's a seven degree increase in temperature in 41 minutes. So you're basically gaining a degree every six minutes. Um, mm. That should tell you it was getting warm fast. And the humidity was absolutely no joke. I actually, I think I remarked on one of our live streams when I, we discussed this, this race a little bit in a live stream, yes. um, that when you start out on the race, you're actually on the mainland of Cape Coral and maybe you have a quarter mile before you get onto the bridge. 
if that. And the second you step off of the mainland onto the bridge, it's like there's a wall of steam projecting up from the ground and it's palpable. You could actually feel it. And it was like this, this invisible barrier where literally from, from this step you were feeling okay. The next step, it was just sticky Mm. and it stays with you. So it is a very, very humid race there's no no way around that it's july but in florida the, <laughs> the the price that you're paying and in, in terms of the stickiness for the race the, it is well worth the view oh, the, the view on that race is gorgeous it is it's absolutely one of the prettiest beautiful. races we've run yeah i can remember the year you had your surgery i ran that one by myself and you came yes. out and you were my cheer squad and support squad and I, I can mm-hmm. just, I, I remember taking a picture at the top of the bridge and, and sending to you because they are just gorgeous, the views. Now, you get a hill and you, if they didn't change the course, you get half of the overpass into Fort Myers. So you kind of yes, get. You actually, you actually get two hills. <laughs> so it's still the same. It's still the same. The turnaround is on the top of the uh, of the. Once you crest the hill, it flattens out, and then it leads to another, uh, to a, a small flyover uh, on of a roadway. Yes. And the turnaround is at the crest of that of that flyover. So you basically go up the second hill, you turn around, and you come back down. It flattens out, then you're back on the bridge. Mm. So. Mm. The nice thing about this one, you you can you can come to Cape Coral in the morning for this race. You can park, you know, in and around the downtown area. Yeah, which you know, plenty of on street parking, plenty of available parking for for the race participants. You can run the race, be done, you know, within forty five minutes to an hour. You know, if you're a slower runner, and then you know it sets you up for. Um, enjoying what Cape Coral has to offer in terms of uh, food and beverage of oh. course, for, for brunch. And then if you're going to be in the Southwest Florida in the area, we have so many things to offer in terms of celebrations for so true. Independence Day. You know, Cape Coral has its own red, white, and boom celebration, which mm. is basically a gigantic block party. And yeah. it's usually attended by about 40,000 people. Fort Myers beach started their their fireworks celebration back up downtown Fort Myers had its celebration. So regardless of where you choose to go, this is a great way to kick off that day of celebration of our independence day. How was the post race? I mean, I know you said you talked with a lot of people, a lot of friends of the show and friends that you work with and take, and you got the chance to take pictures, but uh, how was because the the post race is usually you know there's a quite a spread because we have several local businesses that support that race. Yes, uh, this is put on by the Cape Coral Chamber of Commerce and the businesses that are participants in the chamber did an amazing job of putting it together. They had a nice uh, post race food spread. Of course, you have all of your your regular water and then you know your bananas and you know they had, they had food there available and yeah. then they also had beer available as well. At what? <laughs> at nine a.m. At nine a.m. <laughs> she wanted to get get a post race recovery beer, and they had a nice little area set up uh, to this either side of the Cape Coral Bridge is uh, a, a small green space park called the Bernie Braden Memorial Park. 
and on one side they had logistical prep for the 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 celebration because after this race finishes they shut the bridge down completely for the rest of the day and they put up a giant music stage Mm -hmm. and then back there uh, on the water there are I believe that's where they launched some of the fireworks from. So they actually have a no-go zone for boats under the bridge. This is basically your last opportunity to enjoy this area before it's shut down for the, for the big party. And, mm-hmm. you know, on the, uh, on the North side is where all the logistics are. And on the South side is where they had the, the post-race party uh, for the, for the runners and their friends. And it was a lot of fun. I mean, it was, it was nice talking to people. I didn't of course get to partake in anything, um, like that because you know we were in the midst or no beer midst of 75 no beer for you at that point so proud but so also did hand, but didn't you ha- didn't they have bananas or some, yeah, they, something they, like i said they had they had bananas and some water i, I want to say um pieces juice. of of bagel and yeah they have all the stuff that you would want for post race recovery and uh you know i got a chance to to meet up with uh Jessica from the coffee crew yeah uh, she was there running so you know we got to take a photo right there at the start line mm. and uh yeah, it was just, it was a really really nice race. This is one again. I, I, I cannot recommend our area of Florida enough. Not only do we have a lot to offer in terms of natural beauty and places to go and things to do, we're also no more than about two or three hours, or basically a quick day trip to all the major sites or most of the major sites in Florida. If you want to head over to the East coast we're two hours across alligator alley, if you want to scoot up to the Orlando area, we're about three hours from Orlando. We're an hour and a half to two hours from Tampa. We're 45 minutes from Sarasota. So it's a great part of the state to come. If you want to kind of home base in Southwest Florida and then spread out and, you know, do some day tripping. Yeah. So and this so race, nice. the Freedom 5K, I'm very proud of of the work that uh, the the Cape Coral Chamber, the President Donna Germain, mm-hmm. um, and and her team did to get this race ready. Because basically, you know, they didn't have as long to prepare this one. They no. since they did last year's race in October. July race ended up being pushed to October. Yeah, they had to turn right around and start prepping for this race with fewer months to get it done and they yeah, did an amazing job they did they did they they did an amazing job with the october one that was postponed that was a little smaller and in a different location but it, they did it, it was but every year they do an incredible job they did and this is a, a um, the shirt that, they, that you get for this is fantastic um you did get a a participant shirt you get uh, a bib. There are no medals. I believe that they did some awards for age groups. Yeah, I got one awards. in uh, October. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> there's no finisher medal. But no. you're also not getting killed on the race entry fee for this. I want to say it was about 30 or $35 yeah, for race really, entry. So it yeah, was it very bad. reasonable. And you got a nice little goodie bag and a tote. So, you know, again, for what you paid, this was a a great event. And I know that there was an associated charity to go along with this as well. And, you know, they, they also, you know, I know that they benefit, I want to say it's the Gunterberg Charitable Foundation. Yes. And I don't know if if the Brotherhood of Heroes also. 
Brotherhood of Heroes Museum. So that is, you know, that, that that's a veterans museum here in Cape Coral. Oh, and also Special Operations Communicators Association. Fantastic. Yeah. So. One thing people may not know about our city is that we are uh, a Purple Heart city. We have a, a rich history and a large population of veterans here mm-hmm. in Cape Coral. Um, those that have recently separated from the armed services, as well as those that may have served in, you know, 20, 30, 40 plus years ago. So we have uh, a, a rich uh, military uh, veteran history here. Yeah. Well, even though I didn't do that race, all your talk of it has made me hungry. Well, I do what I can. So, shall we talk about food and beverage from, like you said, from three hours away? Why, yes. Yes, we can. <laughs> because, well, we, like you said, we did have an embarrassment of riches when we were up in the area of Disney a couple of weeks ago, or actually this was, this was more than just a couple of weeks ago, but we were on a quest. We were on a mission to find some plant-based options. Yes. And Amy through her sleuthing, sleuthing, reaching (laughs) sleuthing, um, and you know, some help from Greg in Orlando. Oh yeah was able to find us some amazing options. I was just glad he tipped me off to it so I could just keep looking and looking and looking for a reservation and finally snagged one on a Saturday evening a couple of hours before the park closed. So... Do you have any secret or tips for people trying to get dinner reservations at the sit-down restaurants in the Disney parks? I say you check all the time and often, but a lot of the time people are in the evening, they're off from work, they're relaxing, and then they're thinking about when they're going to go on vacation and talking with friends and family members who are going to be a part of their trip. And they're going, oh, maybe we'll rejigger this or maybe we'll cancel this and book this instead. So I would say in the evening, check the My Disney Experience app or the website to see if anybody canceled something that you can pick up. Good call. Yeah. That is good advice. So Skipper Canteen. Yeah, so this is a place I had I didn't know much about. No, because I'm a bad Disney um, Disney fan. I'm not good at it. Why do you say that? Because we just don't go to the Magic Kingdom a lot. I was going to say we don't attend the Magic Kingdom very often, and even when I did, I you know I we have historically not really been too big on the sit-down restaurants in the parks well usually we'll save our meal for going to disney springs and sitting down there you Mm -hmm. are a huge fan of raglan road which is so hard to pass up every time we're there we've been there once or twice Uh uh-huh (laughs) uh-huh right so so this time I, i think this whole 75 hard challenge has allowed us to get out of the comfortable favorites 
that we go to a lot of the time when we were outside this program, this 75 hard. Yeah, and it's encouraged us to do some exploration. Yeah. So Skipper Canteen is themed after the Jungle Cruise ride. And this in Adventureland. Yeah. Yeah. I love this. There's something about this kind of theme that when you think of Disney's Jungle Cruise, you think of, uh, you know, adventures and khakis. And, you know, I, I get this, this vision of, of, you know, Teddy Roosevelt in, you know, a, a pith helmet and, oh you know, with his rifle slung over his shoulder and, you know, on a boat. And that's just, it's just very pulpy and very, uh, and nostalgic is not the right word. Cause I didn't live through that era, <laughs> but it kind of reminds you of those high adventure pulp novels and radio serials and TV shows, Yeah, you know, you know and the closest thing for people our age to really kind of relate to would be like Indiana Jones. Yes. And the Raiders of the Lost Ark. True. True enough. So I, I just, and I love how the cast members are so in character. Because yes, we were getting a yes. little bit of a comedy routine. Uh-huh. Yes. Our hostess was talking about some of the statues and memorabilia i put that in quotation marks as we are heading to our table and making jokes about that and i i don't even exactly remember the jokes i just remember her manner and her personality being funny and just she offered to show us some of the highlights of the restaurant and then she pointed at the chandeliers oh yeah Yeah. Uh you were yes i remember i remember now so the <laughs> there it is. That's it. <laughs> What's so funny? <laughs> she was funny. She was in character. I just remember them being so in character and making that a part of the experience. And it was great. And then we had amazing appetizers and entrees. Yeah, we did. I was shocked that we were able to get the quantity and quality of food from here that was all plant-based. And when we started looking at the items, I mean, these are things that I would normally order anyway, whether I'm doing the 75 hard or I'm going plant-based or not. So Mm. let's start with the the appetizer because this was right up my alley. Falls family falafel. I am my English teacher heart is singing for this. You love the alliteration. Alliteration, yes. A secret recipe of chickpeas, garlic, onions, lemon juice, and herbs with house made edamame hummus and toasted pumpkin seeds. Mm. Yeah, now there's a lot going on here. First of all, yeah. I love falafel. There, to me, there is nothing better than you get a nice crispy falafel that's fried and put on a pita with, uh, you know, shredded lettuce and tomato and maybe some some uh, a, a looser hummus maybe as a sauce 
on that mm-hmm. or some tahini. Oh, that would be fantastic. But that's not how they prepared this. This was this was like a little work of art coming to the table. Yes, it was. I loved that it, the blue, there was a blue plate and then it was the hummus, that lighter brown color of the hummus with oil and the pumpkin seeds thrown everywhere. And there's also, it doesn't say this in the description, there are radish slivers all around and it says there are herbs. It looks it it and they're strewn on the plate, and the plate is dusted with what looks to be a red spice. That's your paprika. That was yeah, that was the paprika. And the when I've had falafel in the past, they have been bigger rounds. Like uh, when we had a falafel burger at danger danger before a couple couple of years ago yes that burger it was like a flat patty falafel type thing yeah typically they're they're about the size of a of kind of a flattened out hush puppy yeah this was more like a rounded hush puppy mm-hmm. so size so and there were one two three four five, there were five of them and the just the layers of texture alone, the crunchy outer coating uh, uh, and the hummus and the crunchy pumpkin seeds, the spice and bite of the radish and it, it, the oil, it just it all came together to create a perfect little smoky little bit of of a bite uh, it was delicious oh yeah i i'm with you 100 percent. the the falafel when done right has this beautiful crispy outer almost like outer shell mm. or outer layer yeah. that's crunchy and then the interior is creamy and mm. It's almost got a meaty consistency and an umami kind of flavor. And it's usually, you know, the spices, normally the herbs in there is going to have parsley. It's going to have garlic. It's going to have onions. Um, And, and you know, they even say garlic, onions, lemon. That is very, very traditional. But then you get the smokiness from cumin and paprika. And I was shocked at how much I liked the edamame hummus. Yeah, but what a it neat variety uh, or a twist on hummus. Yes, yeah, but you could still tell it was hummus. It was just 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 a different just bean, a different bean, slightly different, but still that same flavor, that texture mm-hmm. that you've come to expect. So you got the creaminess from that hummus. You got the crunch from the outer crust of the of the falafel. You've got mm. the little nuttiness from the pumpkin seed, mm. and you've got the the crisp, like you said, kind of that bite from radish. Yeah, it's like nature spice. Mm-hmm. You know, vegetable spice. It was great. I would have it again. It was um, a big appetizer for ten dollars. I th- it was a big I appetizer think, for I mean, two people, too. You know, I mean, let's be honest. Disney has elevated prices, but 
but there's also elevated experience. And this was an elevated appetizer to me. It was, but you know what? I've ordered falafel from food trucks and from, you know, little mom and pops and nine, $10 for an appetizer this size. Yeah. That was actually good value for the money. Yeah. But then we had fantastic entrees. We did, and we went two totally different directions. Yeah. So let's start with yours. Okay. Um, I went, uh, I, I'm a huge fan of, of curry. I like uh, Thai curries. I mm. like Indian curry. Mm. You name it. Um, and this is leaning more towards a Thai curry. And this was a curried vegetable crew stew. Mm -hmm. uh, this is $19. And the description says, a favorite of the crew stew crew, especially stew. <laughs> Seasoned, or excuse me, seasonal vegetables and pineapple tofu in a house-made curry sauce served with coconut rice. And this is a plant-based option. Of course. So the description had me thinking that this was going to be this this stew yeah like a thick soup you know with vegetables in it and i was expecting you know maybe uh well what i was expecting wasn't what i got but what i was expecting <laughs> is like soft soft vegetables and a thick creamy broth with maybe some some pineapple soaked tofu you know stirred in Mm -hmm. Not what, not what I got at all. This was very clearly um, well thought out, and and they they made a point to really accentuate uh, each item. So you had the fresh cooked vegetables that still had a lot of crunch and bite to them. So you know you had your your mixture of you know broccoli and and green beans and peppers and mm. carrots, everything uh -huh. that would be in the quote unquote stew that's cooked properly. And then they have this wonderful, rich, light red, reddish orange curry sauce mm. poured over that. Mm -hmm. And then in that mix is these chunks of, tofu that have been I my best guess is that they've been marinated in pineapple juice and then flash fried oh. because the tofu chunks were crunchy and you've got just a hint of pineapple nothing too sweet they didn't go overboard mm. but it gave you a nice textural element in addition to that hint of pineapple, which went very nicely with the coconut rice. Ooh, so yes. this is this was uh, like a, a, a medium grain rice that was a high starch content rice, so it was still sticky. Mm. And it's probably cooked with coconut milk or coconut cream. So you had this flavor of natural coconut, you had this hint of pineapple, and then you had this creaminess of the curry sauce over these vegetables. So you could put together the perfect bite mm. and get a little bit of vegetables, a little bit of the rice, a piece of the tofu, and oh, you're off to the races. 
it was phenomenal for nineteen dollars. Oh, I love Disney, that. Great price, huge portion. The, the, I, I, I again, if I wasn't even eating plant based, this is something that would catch my eye, and I would, I would gravitate towards it. And I actually liked their semi deconstructed presentation of it better than what I was envisioning. Cause what I was oh. envisioning was much more of a, of a, of a thick stew with a, with a mound of rice in the middle, oh, which yeah. I've actually seen in yeah. some places, I've seen it served that way. And um, that's fine. But what ends up happening with those types of preparations typically is the vegetables get a little overcooked. Oh. And in this case here, you still had all the, the, all of the the bite and the freshness of the vegetables was preserved. So mm. this was a winner, hands down. I would get it again, even when we're not on on plan on a plan. I like that it came with that bread. Oh yeah, right. That uh, I mean, what well, doesn't look like bread? But uh, it looks like a pita pocket that has veggies cooked in it but uh i was all i wanted was to have the tofu that you had in my dish that i had not that mine wasn't because mine was amazing mine was so good just you know spoiler alert tell us about your dish uh that (laughs) but the but the crusted and flash fried tofu that you had, woo! Oh yes, oh yes. So I had the Perkins Thai noodles, and this was twenty five dollars. This was tofu, not flash fried or you know that, but it was tofu. Seasonal vegetables, rice noodles tossed in a spicy soy chili garlic sauce. A favorite of our friend Pamelia Perkins, Adventurers Club president. And of course, it is plant-based and indicated that on the menu. And you could get it with chicken upon request instead of tofu. So Mm -hmm. I just loved it. The rice noodles were cooked perfectly. The vegetables, they had just like there were, um, it was like matchsticks. They were matchsticks, so they went really well with the noodles. And it was carrot, it was squash, it was zucchini, it it was red onion. Ah, And then uh, we had microgreens on the top. And on the bottom was where that amazing sauce, that soy, that chili. Mm, it was not super spicy, but it had that that saltiness from the soy and just the, the chili gave the spice, the noodles, and then the the tofu plus the crunchy vegetables had layer upon layer of different textures. I could just, and I could just drink that sauce. I mean, soy, chili, garlic. Yes. Uh, Yes. It was amazing. Now the, this to me reminded me of a, 
it, it is not a pad thai. No. So if you're if you're looking for pad thai, this is not the dish. This is a nod to pad thai. It's it a nod some, to pad thai. Yes. It has some from some similarity, uh-huh. but I think that that soy chili garlic sauce is almost a like a, almost a what you would get in a like a street noodle. Yes. So it's a cross between pad thai and a street noodle. Yeah, but you got this right. I love like the rice noodles you would get in pad thai is what you got in this dish. I love those noodles. And you're a huge fan of pad thai. I love it. I love it. I'm telling you. So good. So good. So I I would have this again, no doubt. When we're not on the 75 hard, I'd like to see how the chicken impacts the the swap of chicken for tofu impact. I think the that. chicken in that dish would be amazing. I imagine that it would. And I look forward to returning and having it that way. Yeah. Cause your tofu, unlike mine, yours was not f- uh, fried. This yours was more sauteed. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. That's what it appeared yeah. to be to me. Yeah. Mine actually had like a, like a crust on it yes so which was delightful it mm. was. so i would definitely come back to skipper canteen for any of these dishes oh yeah now okay so here's my question would you get would you get the plant-based version of these dishes even if you weren't on a plant-based plan were, were yes. good enough to pass that test yes i think so you? 100%. You have said I, that. I, I have said it. I love, I, I will order falafel uh, anyway, regardless mm-hmm. of whether we're on a plan or not. Right. And I love curry. So sign um, me up. Sign me I'm up. Actually, I was a kind of amazed at how much I enjoyed the pineapple tofu in mine. So I actually would I think not you thought it was going to be, sub it out. I think you uh, thought it was going to be too sweet. I thought it was going to be too sweet or I thought it was going to be too mushy. Yeah. One or the other. And what they did a great job. And with yours too, the way that they, with those julienne or those matchstick uh, vegetables mm-hmm. that they oh, did yeah. in yours, yours weren't mushy. No. You had great texture. I did. In your dish. Now, I, I think that, you know, I, I personally liked my tofu better than yours. Of course. I understand I, that. I it just was liked that crunchy element. Yes. So, you know, but but I mean you're, you're I think your very, tofu would have suited my dish. Oh absolutely. And they I actually could have served that tofu. That tofu could be its own appetizer. With like, like the, literally with the soy chili garlic sauce on the mm, side. How about that? Like dipping sauce? Mm-hmm. How about that? Oh, that wouldn't be bad at all. Money. Actually. Disney, yeah, because listen to us. <laughs> anyway, yeah. it was great. I would go back. It's a reason to visit the Magic Kingdom. It really is, and with the the new movie Disney's Jungle Cruise coming mm-hmm. out, I suspect that this place is only going to get more and more popular and more f- frequently trafficked. So, so if you are get looking at doing a Disney, yeah, if you're going to do a <laughs> Disney uh, trip anytime soon. Get in there and get your reservations now because they're not going to get easier to get. Exactly. But before we go on and get to the drink portion, 
We want to take a moment to thank all of our patrons of the show. You know, you guys have actually made it possible for us to continue to grow and expand in 2020 and now into 2021 at a rate we never, ever thought was going to be possible. And we cannot thank you enough for that. Your contribution each month helps us continue to grow, helps us bring you a great show that will be full of races as we go back on the road, thanks to your support. For the first time, we're going to be leaving Florida here in just a few short weeks. Um, But, you know, we want to make sure that you guys are getting good value for your patronage. And if you go to patreon.com slash run, eat, drink podcast, we've got three levels of monthly support. $2, $5, or $10. Each of those levels have their own special perks that we're still tweaking and adding to and fixing in 2021. And we have been teasing it forever. I know. We are going to be introducing some advanced patronage levels as well. Yes. But we want to make sure that we get it right. Yes. So for now, check those three out. Yes. And for, for those levels, I mean, you get a lot of stuff. You do. Patrons get a special thank you message regardless of their level from us. Insiders at the $10 level get a look behind the scenes, get access to exclusive video footage, have access to special interviews before they're released on the podcast feed. They get cooking demos from the Runny Drink Podcast Test Kitchen. We're very hard at work in there. (laughs) And exclusive tastings of our favorite food and beverage, including bonus items from great places that didn't necessarily make it onto the show. Right. But the show, listen, the show is always going to be free. But what we're wanting to do is give you a chance to get more Ronnie Drake podcast content. And if you want to get that content or just support the show long term, check us out. Patreon.com slash Ronnie Drake podcast. Or if you use the Podbean app, you can tap on the reward button at the top right of the app to become a patron. All the same perks, all the same levels right there in the Podbean app, too. As always, we thank everyone for your continued support of the Runny Drink Podcast. So we didn't have to go much further for a drink. We We were found one at the restaurant at Skipper Canteen. Yeah. And I will say to you that when we're not on the 75 hard, they have a, and I think this is not something you see as often in the Magic Kingdom restaurants proper, but they have a menu that I would want to go back and partake in, in terms of alcoholic beverages, even though tonight we are featuring a non-alcoholic option from their Mm -hmm. menu because their specialty cocktails include a house made sangria, red or white wine with spices and fruit and juice. And then there's one particularly I want to try jungle navigation company, Shandy, which is, Uh, A Belgian white ale mixed with lemonade. So. Yeah. Um, I love the fact that they are doing some very creative things there. Yeah. That are, of course, on the adult end of the spectrum, you know. Right. You don't see a lot of shandies on menus, truth be told. And 
sangria is one of those things that a lot of places just relegate to, you know, restaurants with a Spanish theme very often. So, you know, I, I love that. I would give those a try just on, on the menu descriptions alone. And it looks like they have some unique wine options as well as there are a couple of unique beer options at this restaurant too. And typically you don't find a whole lot of alcohol in magic kingdom so this it this looks very interesting for some people who might want a nice sit down in the magic kingdom and to enjoy a glass of wine or to enjoy a specialty cocktail or uh, a beer like this kungalosh kungaloosh i'm i'm butchering it yes spiced excursion ale yeah, they have some specific beers that they only serve in the areas that are kind of themed, like either the Adventureland area, yeah. or you'll also see like their Safari Amber. Um, that's another one that tends to only get served in certain areas mm-hmm. because of the theming. Yeah. And uh, I would be very curious about that myself. But yeah, the non-alcoholic beverages. Oh, my. Yeah. We actually, you know, again, this tends to not be a part of the menu that we look at normally, but I think that if nothing else, I think that in our future travels at some point or or as we're, as we are going through and, you know, sampling from places this, from this point forward, we probably will have to try something off of the non-alcoholic section of the menus because, We've actually had some real winners, and tonight is no exception. Exactly. Now, I will tell you that the Schweitzer slush interested me. They're frozen uh, apple juice and passion fruit topped with bursting green apple boba balls. That that sounded very interesting, but, yes. but it was not noted as a plant-based option. And I believe that's because of the gelatin that they use for right. the creation of the boba balls. I believe that's so, correct, yes. So we we steered clear of that one. And instead, we had the Punchline Punch, tropical fruit juices, mango puree, also available with a savory spiced rim for an extra zinger. Yes. So... So we got the punchline punch, and let me just tell you, it was orange in color at the table. And of course, you know us. We love spice. So like we're not going to get the spice rim, I mean, really. It's, (laughs) yeah. So we got the spice rim for a little bit of chili and a little bit of sugar. And it, it, it was refreshing. The mango was delightful. And it, it was tropical. It, it, it was a very celebratory, vacation-y kind of beverage to me. Yeah, I would agree. And I think that they were able to pull that off with, uh, with basically fancy fruit juice. Yeah. Um, this being a combination of tropical fruit juices, they tend, when you, when you read that, they tend to be... You know, things like mango, passion fruit, lime, and almost always pineapple. Yeah. Because pineapple has a very tropical flavor and feel, and it's also a very easy way to sweeten the drink. True. 
I think that it worked really well. I've I've said it before on the show. I'm not a huge fan of eating mango. On its own. On its own. But when you combine mango with those other flavors, I think for me, it works really, really well. Yes. And that spice rim, I expected oh. them to just basically do like tahini spice. And That's what I didn't. thought too. I thought it was too. like a It was like a mixture of sugar and, did you say cayenne pepper? Uh, I, I didn't specify. I, and I, I, think, well, I think she said either cayenne or she said chili pepper. She said chili, I think. Yeah, so, so it was a, a, a hot pepper of unknown origin, but it wasn't <laughs> so hot that it, I mean, it wasn't Amy having, you know, the hot sauce challenge. It wasn't, wasn't scorpion hot. pepper hot. No. Of course. Thank you, Dana. <laughs> but it was good I think, it was, I think it, it it just added a little something to the drink that was that complemented the sweetness of the fruit juices and the mango puree oh 100% and I think like you said it's a nice it's a beautiful orange color it's actually with the puree it ended up darkening the bottom of the drink a bit more and it's like a gradient of that of that bright orange and peach yeah. color yeah it's a very pretty drink for something that's relatively simple and mm-hmm. flavor wise it just killed it. so much so that we ended up selling a couple of these to yes the we table did next to us we told them to get the spice room we told them to and get the spice did. room yes yes and they didn't regret it they did not so <laughs> skipper canteen in the Magic Kingdom at Walt Disney World Resort in Orlando, a lot of plant-based options as far as food, plus unique non-alcoholic beverages to partake in as well. You absolutely cannot miss by going to this place. Check it out. Mm. We are going to have links to everything in the show notes. Of course. And that includes the delicious beverage, mm-hmm. the Punchline Punch. Yeah. The, the food that we just talked about. And, of course, we're going to link back to um, the race as well yes. for those of you that might want to check out this race, some of the, the official photos from it. And if you're thinking about coming down to Southwest Florida for a vacation next summer, here's a good excuse or a good thing to do while you're down here. Yeah, come run with us. And I think that, that was a nice follow-up to your training with people. And I think that you're going to start that again. You're going to start a new round of training. Yes. With our and, people. Um, I am. And the next uh, couple of weeks will be, or well, the next week or so, we'll be announcing the actual start date. But I'm going to be doing the Couch to 10K program uh, by Jeff Galloway using the Lolo Fit app. And I'm going to be doing that as a live stream series, just like we did with Couch to 5K. So three days a week, I'll be doing that run in the uh, Time to be announced, uh, but probably in the afternoon or early evening when the the Florida sun is not so, so bad. Weather permitting. uh, Yeah, weather permitting. And then we'll be doing the long runs on Saturday mornings uh, with everybody so they can just come along. And, you know, if they've done that couch to 5K and now they want to maybe progress in their training and add some distance, they can see how it works. And they're going to get to see uh, some of the other, you know, 
elements to uh, the training program yeah. that uh, Jeff adds in. So I'm very excited to be doing this with everybody. We got amazing feedback last time, and I hope that it inspires somebody to, you know, get off the couch and try a little longer distance. Yeah, come along and with us. Culminate this. We're going to culminate this training with uh, a race down in Key West. Oh, I'm so excited about that. So, so stay tuned for yeah. more. Next week, we're going to be talking week. about another Metal Chasers 5K in the Antihero series yes. and more from our summer trips to Disney, including a great vegan breakfast option from Ale and Compass. Yeah. I'm very excited for that one. Y'all are going to so. love it. If you're looking for a free way to support the show, head over to Apple Podcasts on any Apple device or iTunes on your PC and give us a rating or review, a rating and a review. We so appreciate the support in helping to grow the Runcation Nation in this way. It's a free way. You go over to Apple Podcasts, give us a rating and review so we know what you like about the show and the more reviews and the more ratings we have, the, the more people find us in Apple podcasts. Yeah. It's all about their algorithm and the more recent the reviews, the more likely we're to be shown to other people. So if you'll head over there, give us two minutes of your time, five stars, tell us what you like about it. Tell us what we can improve. We would really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening, for joining us on your long run, your commute to work, around the house, wherever you are. I'm your host, Amy. And I'm your co-host, Dana. Stay safe, stay well, and we will accomplish, explore, and indulge with you really soon. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Run, Eat, Drink podcast. We're having another great year thanks to your support. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We're at Run Eat Drink Podcast. And on Twitter, we're Run Eat Drink Pod. You can also give us a call at 941-677-2733 or send us an email at info at runeatdrink.net. Visit our website at runeatdrink.net and click on the subscribe link so you don't miss a minute. Find out how you can support the show at patreon.com slash run, eat, drink podcast. Accomplish, explore, and indulge right along with us. We'll talk to you next time.